Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk Hello and welcome to the second episode of Two Drunk Accountants. My name is Dan. I'm Tim. Uh, on today's episode, we will be continuing our series on different entity structures and how they might apply to you. Today, we're going to concentrate mainly on uh, companies, mm. which is a very common structure and we'll get a lot into it as we go on. But, Tim. Yeah, Dan. What's the Tim and Danlow? <laughs> the Tim and Danlow. Well, uh, yeah, just a bit of a fun segment we have each week to sort of update you on where we're at. Mm -hmm. I thought I'd uh, hijack the Tim and Danlow today. A little ad hoc, unscripted, unrehearsed, <laughs> like everything else in this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, bit, of a, bit of a survey for Dan, actually. Okay, for the record, I don't know what Tim's talking about. <laughs> I've been playing this one since last week. Came up with the idea to just drop this on Dan while we're halfway through the podcast. So uh, Awesome. Yeah, just uh, Dan, feel free to answer any or all of these questions. Yeah, you know I love a good survey, so let's, let's dive in. <laughs> you do have the rights to the Fifth Amendment to uh, not incriminate yourself Okay, any of these. Go for it. So uh, starting, starting off, just nice and easy to ease you into this. What's your favorite movie? Ooh, that's a big question. Uh, my favorite movie... Yeah, it depends what genre. If I had to say overall, Jurassic Park. Yeah, the first. That's one. a good one. But why? Just such a good movie. I remember it was probably the first adult kind of movie I saw as a kid. Uh, watching a lot of adult movies as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> correct. Uh, yeah, we were talking about Jurassic Park, are we not? Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, Jurassic Park. Uh, probably. Yeah, I remember seeing it as a kid. I watched it so many times that my mum bought it from the rental shop. Can't go past dinosaurs as well. Yeah, I, I was obsessed with dinosaurs, walking with dinosaurs, all those things. I wanted to be a paleontologist. Yeah, a bit like Ross from Friends. Is that how you describe yourself? <laughs> Not a question in the survey, just, just wondering. <laughs> yeah, as a follower, I'm, I'm definitely Ross type. <laughs> I'm a Ross type. Uh, all right, all right. Mo moving on then. Move on. Who do you vote for? <laughs> <laughs> hmm, let's think. Uh, <laughs> are we talking federal, state, local? Nice, you dodged that one very well there. Yeah. I'm bored already, actually. <laughs> What's your favorite brand of paper? Mm. I like uh, recycled reflex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. Go, oh. I know. I know. You've talked before. You you, you like thick paper as I well. I do like a thick paper. A thin paper just feels flimsy and 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 crappy. And we don't use a lot of paper these days. So uh, why not why not go thick? What about that glossy shit? No, no gloss. Uh, favorite Pope? <laughs> um, I've always been a fan of Benedict II myself. <laughs> Who was the one in the it was it in the nineties that they finally said that they were wrong about imprisoning Galileo? But it, but it was like three hundred years after his death. Mm, he was a big man to uh, to admit <laughs> their faults. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with him. All right, yeah, maybe John Paul II is that probably who it is. Yeah, wasn't he in the Beatles or something? <laughs> no, that's John Paul, Ringo, <laughs> oh, right. and George. Yeah. Okay. Uh, secret talents? You got any secret talents, Dan? Uh, um, secret talent. Secret talent. 
Not really. I'm I'm just universally good at a lot of things. Uh, I can vouch for that. Yeah. yeah. Except ping pong. Except for ping pong. Uh, would you choose, if you had to, if you had to choose one or the other, guitar or ukulele? Mm. Uh, guitar. Why? It's just more universal of an instrument than a ukulele. I mean, <laughs> you're kind of stuck with, you know, little little tunes on a ukulele, but a guitar, you can really branch out. You can take your ukulele anywhere. I can take my guitar anywhere if I want to. Yeah, then you look like that guy who's just walking around with a guitar, wants to sit down on the beach. Yeah, those yeah, but then yeah, but then you're that guy with the ukulele that everyone wants to stop playing the ukulele. <laughs> I've been that guy. I know what that feels like. Uh, all right, Dan, we're almost there. Hit me. What's an ideal Sunday look like for you? <laughs> <laughs> I would say vanilla. <laughs> with chocolate, uh, maybe rainbow. <laughs> See what I did there, Tim? Oh, I do. I like it. Yeah. You shifted the paradigm. Mm. Favorite sport? Tough question because you don't like sport very much. That's True. See where I'm coming from there, Dan? Favorite sport. Favorite sport. Oh, tennis. Really? Yeah. I thoroughly enjoy watching and playing tennis. I thought you were going to say um, that one from the winter. Curling? Yeah. No, so that's what I will be an Olympic champion at, but... <laughs> Uh, tennis. Three and a half years to the next, next one. Exactly. I'm, I'm in training. So tennis is probably my favorite. Okay. You also lose to me at that, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Final question, Dan. What is the one thing you want to do before you die? Does it have to be realistic or can it just be, what would be the one thing that if you had endless yeah, amounts yeah. of money and you're resources, you're upset. You never did it. One thing. I, if it's unrealistic, I would like to go to space. Mm. I'd like to go up to the International Space Station or further yeah. and um, float around and, and spend a bit of time up there. You are Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Monica. <laughs> I am a clean freak. I'll take it. That's all good. <laughs> Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, there you go. Is that you, the end of the just, Tim and Dan? Yeah, you've just got, yeah, that's the end of the Tim. Well, that's, unless you've got anything else you want to add, but, uh, you know, the listeners got to know a bit about you. Then, yeah, Dan, I, thoroughly so. like, I think, I think next week I might throw some questions at you. Pop quiz. Yeah, I like that. You don't have a chance to prepare. Nah, and, uh, I had no chance to prepare for that. And, uh, I now we all know who your favorite Pope is. So I'm glad. Exactly. The one that, um, admitted they were wrong about Galileo. <laughs> I don't know what else he did. He probably could have been a terrible person, but. <laughs> That sounds like a good thing. It was a big move, yeah. big step forward mm. for humanity. Yeah, okay. I think it's time for the business update. I think it's time for the business update. What's been happening this week, Dan? Well, last week uh, we did mention that we'd follow up on the whole financial institution royal commission. And you had a chance to look into that at all? I, like obviously you see it in the news every day, but, but to be honest, it's just it's so much changing every day. It's, you don't know really what to, you know, well, what's new right now is going to be old news in two days' time when we find out another bank has done something else. It's true. Uh, yeah, it's concerning. Do you see anything really coming from it? Well, the one thing I have seen already is a couple of the banks have sold their um, wealth management arms really? like i think nab is getting rid of mlc i think that's the one they owned oh wow uh i think was it was it commonwealth bank that owned amp and i think they might have gotten rid of that um anyway a few of the big banks are getting rid of their wealth management arms 
but that's something interesting. A bit of separation there. Who did they sell them to? No idea. I just saw the headline. Okay. Do you think this could be one thing I thought about with this? Mm. Could this be a positive for small financial planners doing the right thing, or is it a negative? The flip side of that question. I th- because of the bad publicity. Yeah, I, I think that initially it's probably going to be a bit of bad publicity and there's going to be a lot of distrust out there around the financial sector. However, uh, if you're a financial planner that works a bit differently to what your traditional model might be, and, and we know a few of them, I really think uh, it's a positive because you can demonstrate that you're different, you're doing things in a, in a correct way, um, you're not ripping anyone off. Yeah, I think yeah. I think initially it's probably can be seen as a negative, but on the flip side, it's it's an opportunity for those who do the right thing to to really show how they do the right thing and and make inroads there. Yeah, I uh, really hope that people search for those new age financial planners that have fixed fees. They're not tied to the investment structure, and there's no commissions. Mm. And uh, give them a go because yeah, we know we know we know uh, a couple of good ones, and I really think that. They're trying to help their clients, yeah, which is obviously not what AMP was doing, charging people <laughs> beyond the grave and <laughs> after they've left them for months. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, hopefully it does give the uh, the small guy, the the Davids of the financial planning world, uh, a bit of a leg up. Yeah, it's funny that you said the Davids because one one financial planner uh, we do know who's good. Ironic. Actually, his name is David. There so. you go. <laughs> Shout out to you, David. <laughs> Uh, so what else? What else is in in the update well, this also, week? Tim? Also in the financial sector, uh, uh, on the April, April the twenty seventh, the ATO released uh, an update saying that, or oh, oh, sorry, maybe not the ATO, but I think it was a politician actually speaking to the ATO or at a, at a breakfast, said that self managed super funds will be um, expanded to be able to have six members. Yeah, and that's 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 pretty huge, actually. That's cool. It's, it's been four members for a while. Yeah. Uh, Poor little Dan was uh, cut from the family. His self-managed super fund because he was the fifth. <laughs> yeah, that's fifth right. You know, of the family. I've got mum and dad and my older brother and 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 you know another person. And then next thing I know, I'm, I'm out of the loop. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. They asked me to join before you. I don't know what was happening there. That's fine. Yeah, but then I always wondered why they had four. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people with four people in family, but. Six makes a lot more sense. Six does make a lot more sense. And what's I mean, the difference? Yeah, exactly. And what if you've got two kids and both your kids have a wife or a husband? Then, you know... Yeah, you could, you could bring them into the fold. You could bring them in. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, I think that's a positive. And that should come out in the next budget. Yeah, which, yeah, which, is, which will be out soon. And uh, what you'll be hearing from us, speaking of the budget... I think we'll probably have a budget special episode. Ah, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. I think we'll yeah, we'll have a look. We'll look at the pros and cons of what might be the results for small businesses. Yeah, uh, it's always an interesting time of year. Uh, obviously, a lot of it's media hype because it's still going to pass through Parliament. But uh, yeah, that should be interesting. Mm, definitely should be interesting. Other sort of notes I made were basically. Uh, around R&D tax incentive, it looks like the ATO, the government's clamping down on this one. The R&D tax incentive for all those people who aren't really sure what that is, was released a few years ago. It was an opportunity for companies who are developing new things, new ideas, being innovative, to actually claim losses from their development activities 
and receive higher tax refunds. So great scheme. Uh, a lot of companies, I mean, you can, yeah, I think the limit for refunds you can get from it is, at the moment is like $100 million or something like that per yeah, annum. Yeah, there is some, some, some very high uh, limit to what your refund can be. But the reason I like it is because it does... Um, it does allow for a lot more innovation, a lot more research, uh, and, and I just feel like that's always a positive. So the reason it's being wound back a bit is because they think that it's not really driving innovation. And I think they're worried that um, there's been some recent cases where people have been rorting the system and actually promoting schemes to get like extra refunds. So. Yeah, so you don't want that. You, no. you, you, what you want is a system that works, that you know rewards people who are innovating, who are improving, who are making differences. Uh, you don't want to provide an opportunity for people to rot the system. Yeah. Um, that's just unfair for everyone, really. Speaking of which, and this this fits well in the update section, um, entrepreneurialship. Do you think it would be benefited? by reducing the bankruptcy period from three years to one, which is mooted at the moment? I think potentially um, you, there, there could be some benefits to it. Uh, it would mean that people who have taken a risk to um, do something new or uh, provide you know, opportunities or provide jobs for people by creating a new business aren't um, prosecuted, uh, but it does reward people who have in some situations poorly managed a business and who may have left people out of pocket with money who may yeah. have, uh, you know, who, who may have left a lot of people high and dry because they owed them a lot of money, including the ATO. Yeah. You've really got to toe the line there. I mean, yeah. The worst thing that, that, that happens to you when you're bankrupt, in my opinion, is that you can't travel. They take your passport off you. Yeah. Uh, obviously there's problems with finance. Um, and it's a black mark against your name. But yeah, reducing it to one year, it's, some people will, will really benefit. Others, uh, I think, will just take advantage of it, potentially. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I guess if they're in that situation, they can't get out of it. And So yeah, um, it's a bit of a negative to ending business. Yeah, I think maybe we should uh, move on. Okay. Moving on to our main topic of today, Dan, mm -hmm. companies. Yeah. So last week we tackled sole traders and partnerships and discussed the pros and cons and uh, who this might be suitable for. So today we move on to the, I suppose, the next cab on the rank in terms of entity structures, companies. Yeah, I think uh, company is just a little bit more complex, comes with different tax scenarios and I guess uh, it has its own set of pros and cons. So Yeah, for sure. It definitely deserves its own spot in the limelight. Mm -hmm. What is a company, Dan? Good question. All right, I'll provide a small summary, and I guess we'll delve a little bit deeper into each of these things. Give us a good old drunk accountant summary. Okay. A company is a separate legal entity that is owned by shareholders who then... Uh, I guess, elect or vote a board of directors who then control the company on behalf of those shareholders. Cool. So that I think is one of the cool things about companies, which for small business people goes unnoticed. 
um, there's a board of directors which are basically uh, elected to carry out the best interests of the company and act in the best interests of the company. And that's because there's a separation between shareholders and directors. Maybe not on the small business level, but if you're talking like ASX listed companies, uh, that's, that's really vital in the company entity structure. Yeah, that's right. When you're talking kind of these large corporate entities, uh, the board of directors play a pivotal role in ensuring or not ensuring in some cases that uh, the entity both follows compliance obligations, um, is managing its risk appropriately. Uh, they determine you know, salaries and remuneration for high-level executives. Uh, they do all sorts of things and have pivotal roles and there's lots of regulations and guidelines as to how that board should be made up, how many should be independent, uh, which independent ones should serve on which subcommittees, all sorts of things there. But in relation to small businesses, which is our focus, uh, you generally won't have to worry about any of that. In a normal circumstance, um, you, the owner of the company, the shareholder, is usually also the director of that company. That's it. Yeah, so you elect yourself and, and then work for yourself. Yeah. And often you're also an employee, so... <laughs> yeah, there's, you play a lot of roles in a company. Yeah. So uh, what then, Tim, is the advantage? This sounds very complex. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's a con. That it's, it's more complex. But the real advantages that you get out of operating through a company uh, are tax-related. So there, there is a, um, a single tax rate for a company, mm-hmm. which can be a benefit. Yep. Uh, for tax planning purposes. Yeah. It's a separate legal entity. So it gives you legal protection, enhances your legal protection. It doesn't make it rock solid. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get more into this in a second, but yep. So it's a separate entity from you. Your assets are separated from the business. That's an important thing. Um, and, and thirdly, I guess, uh, this gives, gives options to... Uh, have a business which is perpetual in nature. Yeah, that's right. So let's tackle each of those one at a time. Uh, Tax advantages. So as Tim's just alluded to, a company pays a single tax rate on the first dollar that they earn. Uh, First dollar of profit. First dollar of profit. Sorry, Tim, you're right. First dollar of profit. So rather than uh, an individual uh, who pays, uh, has a tax-free threshold, Uh, at which point, once you go over, you then start to pay tax. A company pays tax on its first dollar of profit. That's right. The company tax rate, 30%. Traditionally, yep. Uh, With the small business discount. Oh, sorry. Yep, small business uh, discount, I guess. Discount is, yeah, you could use that word. Yeah, it's kind of a discount. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The government's giving you a discount there. Yeah, that's right. So uh, at the moment, 27.5. Yeah, so, I mean, not a huge difference, but... Uh, it can make a difference, but, yeah. A couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. Yeah, depending on, on how well your business has gone that year. The reason why, you know, you might, say, you might say, well, if I'm paying tax from the first dollar of profit, why is this a tax advantage? Well, because you're an employee of that business, let's say the business earned $50,000 in profit and um, before your wages, and you paid yourself... $20,000 in wages out of that 30. Well, essentially you've just given yourself $20,000 of tax-free income. That's right. Yeah, because with the low income and a tax offset, 
and the tax-free threshold, you can earn about that much Correct. without paying a dollar of tax as an individual. That's right. So now the company only pays tax on 30%. Uh, I'd even go as high as paying yourself up until say 37,000. And that's where True. the uh, individual tax rate overtakes the company tax rate. Yeah. So up to $37,000 of taxable income as an individual, your tax uh, percentage is about 19% plus Medicare levy. That's so, right. Yeah. So it's actually better than the, the company tax rate to that point. Correct. And once you go over that point, then the company tax rate stays at that 27.5 for small businesses and the individual tax rate goes up from there. So Yeah, into the 30s, into the and, 30s 40s. and 40s. So yeah, so that, that's why you do get some tax planning advantages. Uh, the disadvantage of that, the other side, is if you do keep income in the company, and I think this is a good segue into the next part of it, uh, that money is owned by the company, not by you. Yeah, they're separate entities. So if you're taking money out of the company and it's not paid to you as a wage, then potentially you'll end up owing that money back to the company in the form of a loan. That's not a nice situation. Very confusing for a lot of our clients. And, and uh, the ATO brought in these rules because people were giving themselves uh, a tax-free loan from a company and then writing those loans off as losses. So um, that's right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why the ATO cracked down on this. Yeah. And if, if you are in a company, you, you might have heard the, the, lo- uh, sorry, the phrase thrown around Division 7A uh, or, uh, or even uh, deemed dividends. Uh, yeah. These are all part of that crackdown, uh, which relates to loans drawn from a company by a uh, related party. Yeah. Uh, Usually what happens is if you've taken that income, the ATO have said that if, if it is a genuine loan, then you need to charge interest Yeah. Uh, at a rate that the ATO has determined. Yeah, there's a deemed rate each year. Yep. And the company charges you that interest every year and you have set repayments that you have to make over a, 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 the term of that loan. If you don't have that loan agreement, it's considered straight out income in your name in the year that you took the cash yeah a deemed dividend deemed dividend unfranked so there's no there's no tax credits against it so if you borrowed if you took a hundred thousand dollars of cash over and above the wages which the company was paying you in any given year you don't have a loan in place to say that you'll be paying the company back well the ato could turn around to you and say we're going to lump that on top of your taxable income please uh, give us $30,000. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And as, as you can see there, and it's to stop people from taking, you know, tax-free income from a company. So you might be asking, well, how do we take money out? Well, Tim alluded to it a bit earlier. The first way is a wage. You're an employee of your company, which sounds a bit funny and it can take some people a little bit of getting used to. But what it means is the same way you're an employee of any other business, uh, you're an employee of the company that you own and you take a wage, the company withholds tax from that wage and pays it to the government every quarter or every month in their BAS statement uh, and you put that income into your tax return at the end of the financial year. Yes, that does mean you have to pay workers' compensation insurance for your wage. Yes. Small pitfall of the company compared to the sole trader. It also means that you are required to pay superannuation on that wage as well. 
Yeah, not that we've seen in our experience that the ATO is going to hold you to paying that superannuation to yourself yep. if cash flow doesn't allow you to. Yes. So it's not something to stress over too much. Yep. I'm sure if there was a bad enough scenario or the ATO was feeling nasty, they would hold you to that. Uh, I, I have seen it happen. Um, they did take it a little bit into consideration, but they were um, there was a company that didn't pay their super obligations, including to themselves. Uh, the ATO cracked down on it and they did include theirs. Uh, I think that was because they weren't really cooperating with the with the audit. Um, yeah, so the, they, they made the beast angry. <laughs> exactly, which is never a good idea. They poked the bear. <laughs> yeah, never a good idea. So apart from a wage, the other way, Tim, how do you get money from your company? Dividends. Dividends. That's yeah. right. You're a shareholder of your company. That's it. So um, I think that's a great thing about companies. As, a, as your company pays tax, it actually keeps track of the, the tax that it's paid. They're called franking credits. Um, that's been introduced in Australia so that when dividends are paid from a company, which are um, a share of, of the company's profits to owners, that you don't get taxed twice. Franking credits are essentially um, paid out to you using the company tax rate. That's right. So um, the company has paid tax on profit. It's then going to distribute to me $10,000 as a dividend because I'm a shareholder. I'm, I'm going to receive alongside that a certain amount of franking credits. Let's just in this scenario say about four and a half grand in franking credits. So actually in my tax return as an individual, I'll have about 14 and a half grand of, of income. So the franking credits and the uh, dividend but I'll also have $4,500 of tax prepaid from those franking credits in my individual tax return. Now, that's really cool, Dan, because if I haven't earned over the low, tax, low income um, threshold, then I could actually get all of that $4,500 back as a tax refund. Yeah, that's right. The current rules suggest that... Uh, this yeah, could change. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I believe Labor have come out and said that if they're elected, they plan on reversing this. So you can claim a tax offset, but not get a cash refund of those franking credits. But mm. they're currently not in government. We don't know if this will ever come to pass. So the current rules are, you can claim that back in cash. Yeah, so that's another way to get money out of a company, especially if the company has paid tax, it's making profits. It is a way to actually reduce the loan that you've taken out of a company inadvertently because you can um, do a dividend. It doesn't have to be done in cash. So the company doesn't have to actually pay you the cash. It can pay it to that loan account that exactly. you've taken out. So. Exactly. Uh, and the beauty of it is that like 30% of the income that you're earning is actually paid for in tax. So if you're... If your uh, average tax percentage is less than the 30%, well, you'll end up, it'll, it'll actually increase your refund. That's right. If it's above, you'll just pay the difference. You'll pay a little bit more, up to say like 15% more. So Yeah, that's right. Is there any other way to get income out, Dan, of the company? Let me think. You've got your wages, you've got your dividends, uh, you've got a loan that you have to pay back. Uh, that's about it. That's about it. There's no other way really of taking money out of a company without paying tax yeah exactly so there's no director's fees tax-free or director's loans tax-free that is a bit of an urban legend a bit of a myth so yeah and it is one that we have seen people get stuck on they've they've come to us from a previous accountant and they've said my last accountant told me i could take this much out uh, without having to worry about tax 
I'm not sure where they got their education because that's not correct. And the other thing that people coming from a sole trader background have to be careful of is that the business's money has, is, has always been their money and vice versa. So actually what they end up doing is running a lot of personal transactions through mm. the business. That is actually going to increase your director's loan because if you're buying things which aren't business related, there's nowhere else to put that other than the director's loan. Money right. that you're using for your own purposes um, that aren't business related. So if it's paid in a wage to you, great. Because that's essentially what the ATO sees it as or a dividend. But if it's not, you're going to increase that director's loan pretty quickly. Yeah, and this is actually good segue because you've made me think of the third way that you can get things out of your company. Ah, fringe benefits, <laughs> <laughs> which I would consider to be a con of having a company over a sole trader or a partnership. Yeah, like I think there can still be fringe benefits in a sole trader or partnership, but but not to yeah. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, what Dan's getting at there, it's a bit, it's a bit of a silly tax, especially for small business, but. Um, it, it, again, it was the ATO cracking down on, on companies, especially on the big end of town in the corporate world, uh, remunerating employees in ways other than cash salary. So for example, uh, I can imagine back in the sixties, a great employee coming across and say Commonwealth bank being like, Hey, how about we pay your mortgage repayments for you instead of giving you that $20,000 bonus that you're after. And it's going to be tax-free. Yeah, so... You're not going to get taxed on it on your wage. We're not going to pay tax on it. Yeah, why wouldn't you say yes to that? Uh, So what the ATO have done is said, well, any non-cash benefits that you receive from your employer uh, are deemed to be fringe benefits, um, benefits other than cash. That would include things like uh, private usage on a motor vehicle, which is something that we'll get into uh, it includes um, paying your rent, paying your mortgage, paying for personal expenses, all these things. Uh, as even if you're if you're a larger company, it could include car spots. It could include yeah, parking. Parking. It can, uh, so many things are included on this list, and it's a very complex law that we won't get into today. The biggest one is is meals and entertainment. Meals and entertainment, exactly. Yeah, and, and technically, you can't claim any meal or entertainment as a tax deduction unless you've paid fringe benefits tax on it. Correct. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough one for small businesses to understand. You know, they they say, you know, I've I've gone out for a dinner with My an staff, employee, yeah. and uh, I want to claim that as a business deduction because it was a business cost. And there are exemptions if it's infrequent and minor, less than three hundred dollars. But yeah, so FBT that is that is a, a con of of the company. Yeah. So just to quickly recap before we go on with some more things, because it is confusing. Uh, company, separate entity, yeah, owned by its shareholders, controlled by the elected board, the directors and the secretary. Uh, it is the only way, sorry, yep, because it is a separate legal entity, the only way for you to get income out of that to you personally is through a wage or a dividend or some fringe benefits, uh, all which incur tax or have had tax paid on them already uh also you might run into issues with taking that money out in a loan because then you have to pay that back so tim what else well yeah you touched on the other thing which we haven't talked about much here but the separate legal entity so i think that's a big pro 
a lot of businesses who have borrowings from the bank, the company isn't going to help you get around um, having to pay that loan because often it's going to be guaranteed by your personal assets. So it will help you in the case of a lawsuit um, or uh, I guess something legal or, or, or a problem where you, you've got more debts with customers uh, or suppliers, sorry, that you can't pay because those will remain separate to you personally as long as you've done everything right. Yep. Um, your personal assets like your house can be protected in that instance. The other benefit I see from this, the separate legal entity status of the company is that if you do unfortunately head towards that bankruptcy, um, then it's the company going bankrupt, not you personally. And the ATO is not crash, too crash hot on, on directors of companies uh, who, which have gone into bankruptcy, just starting up another company doing the same thing. That's definitely on their radar. It's called Phoenix activity, but um, but... Yeah, you won't personally get that bankrupt status and you get to keep your passport. <laughs> if yeah. you've done everything right, that is. Yeah, that's right. So that's, that's the exact point I was just about, about to make. As a director of the company, your legal responsibility is to ensure that the company isn't trading insolvent and to ensure that it's meeting all of its compliance obligations, which means if, let's say, you had all these big debts and you knew about them and you knew you'd never be able to pay them, but you kept trading you then, as a director of that company, could personally become liable for some of those debts. Also, if there's any unpaid superannuation to your employees, you as a director of that company will personally become liable to pay that superannuation. Yeah, uh, so there are, there are rules around it, Yeah, but it does give you more options. Correct. If yeah. you're a sole trader, they'll be looking for your personal assets. Yeah. And you'll be personally going bankrupt. That's right, yeah. So in 99% of the time, you're a good person who's paid the super, you've been paying you know, your debts, you've come across a bad moment, you've realized that you're insolvent, you decide to send the company into bankruptcy, you've done all the right things, your personal assets are completely protected. Yeah, and, uh, and you personally won't be declared bankrupt. That's right, yeah. As a shareholder, because most of the time you're going to have... Uh, the way the company is structured is going to be, you know, proprietary limited, which means your shares are uh, limited, which means you have limited liability. You are only obligated to pay the unpaid share capital yeah. from that initial thing. So it's like, which is non-existent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. yeah. So when you're setting up a company, don't put like a million dollars worth of shares. Unpaid. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So don't say that you've got a million shares at one dollar each because. Uh, you could be liable to pay that million dollars at some point in the future. However, most of the time, they're going to be 100 shares at a dollar each or 10 shares at a dollar each. And if you haven't put that $10 into the company bank account, that's the only part that a bankruptcy proceeding can take from you as a shareholder. And purely, if you think about that, that's pretty rational, logical, makes sense. If you're yeah. a shareholder of BHB Billiton and they, they go belly up, well... You know, the average everyday punter wouldn't want uh, a liquidator coming after them for their assets. So, it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It makes a lot of sense. Lot of sense. The third thing we were talking about before, Dan. Uh, perpetu perpetuity. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Perpetuity. Uh, essentially, the third thing that we're talking about is that uh, a company lives on past you in perpetuity, which means that if you die, the company 
uh, continues without you as long as someone has shares and can elect a director. Uh, that company continues. It's not uh, attached to you as such. It just continues on in perpetuity. I think that's one of the cool things about a company for an entrepreneur because they can actually start a business and make plans to bring in future partners. They yeah. can be um, future shareholders and, and directors of their future company. Yeah, that's right. And it's also great for succession planning. If you've got employees which have worked their way up in, in your company uh, and want to introduce them to the fold in terms of ownership and decision-making, they can buy in as a, as a shareholder. Yeah, that's or right. Or you can appoint them as a, as a director. Yeah, and, and there are other entities that allow this as well, and we'll get into that. Um, probably a bit more next week with our uh, our segment on trusts, uh, but yeah, that's definitely definitely an advantage of being a company. So, are there any cons? Yeah, so we've mentioned a few already. Uh, taking money in and out isn't as simple as what it is as a sole trader in a partnership. The tax compliance uh, is more. You, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be paying. Um, that standard flat rate of tax, uh, you, you have to lodge a company tax return separate to your own. Uh, you have to lodge annual company statements with ASIC. Uh, you have to keep a company register. Some other cons are like FBT, um, the director's loan. That that can often be like a pretty sticky situation. Uh, I guess when it comes to, to selling your business, it's not quite as simple because there's capital gains tax. Yeah, that, that is a con that we haven't discussed. You don't have access to the same capital gains uh, concessions that you do as an individual or a partnership. Uh, there are small business concessions. Yeah, that there are. Which we won't go through today. That's no, another day's I think, topic. I think capital gains is a whole other topic, but it is something just to be aware of. Yeah, so you don't get the discount that like an individual or a trust can receive. There's also increase in cost, um, you know, because it is a bit more complex to prepare a return for and to keep accurate records and things like that. You are going to have a slight increase in accounting fees, um, bookkeeping fees, admin fees. Yeah. So I think like for a small business person looking at moving into a company, the worst thing that you're going to encounter or things that you're going to encounter are like um, workers' compensation, fringe benefits tax. The fact that you have to account for every transaction mm, and, right. and really run the risk of building a director's loan if you don't pay yourself enough in wages or dividends. And I guess um, when it comes down to it as well, it's just changing. Just changing entity. Like you're going to have to set up a new bank account, get different insurance Tell policies. all of your customers and suppliers about your change in details. You get a new ABN. Yeah. So Yeah, it's not easy changing. That's why it can be better just setting it up in the first place if you're starting a business. Yeah, and, and that brings me definitely to the next, the next thing to, to discuss. In what situations would you think a company is a good idea over a sole trader or a partnership? I can tell you my answer. Oh, I have an answer, Dan. It's all, all right. right. You go first. I just think um, someone who, who has personal assets, they're in an industry where lawsuits can occur. And... Um, Someone who's quite uh, bullish on the, on the status, on, on the prospects for their business. Like they're very confident that their business is going to grow and, and turn into something like beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, it would be, and, unless you're a very small business that has very little risk, 
I'd always suggest going a larger entity such as a company. Yeah, and that, that's your next step. That is your, your basic next step. And the, the one above or contrasting to that is a family trust or, or a trust. Yeah, which we'll get into next week. That's next w- week. What a trust is and, and how that works. But essentially, uh, a company is good for everyone. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely worth looking at. Um, yeah, unless you've got plans of selling it within three years uh, with the cap- those capital gains tax consequences. Yeah. yeah. The company can be really fantastic. And, and my, my concern is always, as Tim mentioned just before, your personal assets. You don't expect things to go wrong, but they can. That's what entity planning is all about. It's yeah. just putting things in place for the worst case scenario. And uh, a company, it really does give you options if your business runs into problems. Yeah, that's right. So nice one. Yeah, I think that about wraps up our conversation on what a company is. I hope you have a good idea now, at least on basic terms, what a company actually is and how it's different from an individual sole trader or a partnership. Hey, I think our listeners, Dan, are basically experts in companies now. So yeah, uh, I think so. I think credit. Yeah, I definitely think they could sit (laughs) a you know. Uh, business law test oh, and that's true. probably pass with flying colors. There's really not much more to it. They could that. write an entire essay on agency <laughs> theory. We got into that a little bit oh, about, the, uh, yeah, uh, about the uh, the separation between us, uh, the shareholders and the uh, directors. I'm uh, a big fan of the um, FBI agency. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> no. I know what no, you're the getting into. One. No, that's not the... Let me guess, Tim, the female body inspectors. Come on, mate. You're better than that. That's not what I was thinking, but I'll wrap it. <laughs> so. Love you, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think that about finishes that segment. Next week, as I said, we go into trusts. I think we'll have a discussion about the different types of trusts, how they work, how they're different from a company, what the tax planning situations are there. Uh, yeah, just a general overall about what they are. And it's, it's good, Dan, that we've progressed in this way because companies often sit behind trusts. That's correct, yeah. Uh, as so, we'll get into next, next week about trustees uh, and th- things like that, more often than not, you have a combination. Yeah, it's a found, foundation knowledge and we're going to grow upon that next week. Looking forward to it. Exactly. So, I think we've come to my favorite segment, Tim. What's your other thing? <laughs> What's this my week? other thing this week? What's your other thing this week? Well, I was thinking about this because last week you kind of sprung this on me a little bit. I wasn't. I just went back to the old fantasy football. Oh, oh really? Is this why you sprung <laughs> my pop quiz at the beginning of this? Sprung. <laughs> Jeez, um, we're getting to the end of this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. I thought about this. I went and saw an excellent movie over the weekend. And mm-hmm. I was like, this can be my other thing. Yeah. As you know, I enjoy a movie. Dan does enjoy a good movie. What What movie did you see? Ready Player One. <sighs> did you like it? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, it's it was directed by Steven Spielberg. Who? Old oh, S- the guy who directed Jurassic Park and 20 of my other favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, essentially it's... It's set, a, it's set in a futuristic earth where everyone is obsessed with their virtual, virtual reality headsets. They uh, go into the Oasis, which is like a virtual paradise where they can be whoever they want to be and do whatever they want to do. 
Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I, I've seen it. I, I liked it. Yeah. What the audience, uh, our listeners may not know is that Tim and I are in a book club together. Yeah. And Very special book club. The book that I chose for book club about a year and a bit ago was Ready Player One. It's funny too, funny story because we started um, actually giving books a score and Dan, uh, that book scored quite well. It was an excellent book, I got to say. Um, Dan started keeping the scoreboard after that because he knew no other book was going to be <laughs> Ready Player One. And no other book has. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, well, I think, um, I think my choice went pretty it. good. Dan didn't read my last book, so... Um, I had a lot on that particular oh. month. Oh. Uh, so. <laughs> What's your other thing, Dan? <laughs> Since you got so much going on. <laughs> uh, my other thing this week is... Uh, I'm going to say the podcast that I listened to, I binged listened to today. Nice. Uh, Habitat. Okay. Yeah. So What's that about? The podcast itself was okay. Uh, it was good, but the what's behind the podcast, what it's about, is actually what fascinates me more. And that's this uh, organization that has built a habitat similar to what would be built on Mars to live in for a short duration. And this is real. Like- this is real. <laughs> so they've built this habitat uh, out on the big island, I think, uh, in an area that very much resembles Mars's surface. Uh, and people lived in it, having to follow similar lifestyles to what the astronauts would. They couldn't leave the habitat without the spacesuit on. They didn't see anyone. All communications took 20 minutes to get to the person and then 20 minutes to get back. So 40-minute round trip to talk to Earth. Uh, and they lived there for a year. This really happened. This really happened. <laughs> so, so the podcast uh, follows that. So it just oh, that's awesome. touch, touches base with them every so often and you hear about their lives and... You know, the podcast was trying to weave a narrative and, and, you know, talk about the emotional things. I was more interested in the facts, the hard science. That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> you uh, do love hard science. <laughs> I wanted to see what data I could get out of that bad boy. So <laughs> I was, love that uh, hard science bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. So I was, uh, yeah, it was fascinating. And yeah, they lived there for a year and, and scientists gathered information on them and then uh, they moved out and... Uh, I guess they cleaned it, and more people moved in. Wow! And what were the what were, did they all turn on each other and eat each other's? A legs? little bit. By the end, you could see they were quite cranky at, at everyone, and they were there for a full year. Um, you know, not sure how long the Mars missions would be, which are currently actually being planned. Uh, I doubt it. It's a year. I think they'd probably they'd probably need to wait a year if they miss the first kind of trajectory back to Earth when the planets are close, but. Uh, yeah, no, nah, they, they started to turn, they started to get a bit cranky, they started to uh, be a little frustrated with one another. Wow. Tell you what, Dan, I think you will come into contact with Mars later tonight when you're heading down the chocolate aisle of your local coals. Tim. You know you want one. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm off the stuff. I'm I'm, I'm healthy living. Uh, it's a new Dan. I bet if I went to your desk right now, I'd find one in the top drawer. <laughs> when have you ever found a Mars bar at my desk? <laughs> I, I found the chocolate drawer in your in your office. What chocolate drawer? There is not a chocolate drawer. Yes, there is. Everybody, there is not a chocolate drawer. You've got an empty favorites container in the corner. <laughs> you know damn well that that's the ping pong trophy. That's the Forrest Gump cup. All right. <laughs> Speaking of which. Uh, Long, shortly after our podcast last week, where Tim was talking about how well he went, 
I won the week. So you no wait. Clarify that. Sorry, I won the grand final. Grand Tim final. won the week. I won the week. Tim won the minor premiership, but I, I, <laughs> I took home the trophy, which is the aforementioned favourites box. Yeah, well. Good luck to you, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Tim. So I think that about wraps up this week's podcast. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for listening again. Uh, oh, yeah, we should uh, mention our email account. and We should. Uh, two drunk podcast at gmail.com. That's T W O drunk podcast. Uh, not T O O. Uh, we're not too drunk. We are two of us drunk. So, two drunk podcast at gmail.com. And then our Twitter handle is the same thing at T W O drunk podcast. Send us a tweet. Yeah, we check it at least once a week, I think. And but if we get more tweets, then probably we'll install the app on our phone and go crazy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, thanks everyone for listening. I'm not going to say it, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, I'll say it. Thanks, everyone. And we'll uh, calculate (laughs) her.